Hey, all good morning. Um, Millie mentioned, so good to see your faces. Um, that is true. Um, and if you showed up today and you were surprised, um, we switched to mask optional for this week. Um, and it's just a good maybe plug to say, uh, get our e- weekly email um, that is sent to you. Sign up for the, the weekly reader, and that way news, if you're not a member at our church um, and you don't spend all the time trolling us on Instagram, uh, then you can uh, find out news like that. So we uh, are switching to Mass Optional because basically two things, the case rates are below a certain number, and our CDC advisor has said for a long time, wait for about three weeks for those numbers to hit a certain threshold, and they have. So for adults who have the choice to be vaccinated or not for a long time at this point, uh, made that move. We're still maintaining uh, the masks required for kids under 12 uh, until the vaccine, in essence, has time to unfold. So probably like another four or five weeks. Um, and that way people can shift into um, getting the vaccine if they want to do so. Um, so anyway, that's that update for some. Um, that's good news uh, if you don't love masks. So I know that that's a good thing to be able to feel like, honestly, that we're moving towards uh, some sort of thing that requires less complication. We're excited about that. Amen to that. Amen. Y'all, my name is Brad Malden, and I'm the community pastor here. Very excited to be able to, uh, to spend time with you all this morning. Uh, we are in the book of Psalms this month. Uh, and Ashley mentioned this last week, that in November we're really focusing on the role of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what we know is that one of the primary ways that we experience and live into the Holy Spirit is through prayer. Uh, This idea of kind of a back and forth with the Lord um, is what prayer is in many ways, right? Like this conversational life is how it's sometimes described to people um, where you're in a conversation with God. And what we love about the book of Psalms is that the, the conversational life with God can sometimes be a challenge for us. It can be elusive, right? Like we can imagine what it's like to talk to our friend or to our spouse or our child because they're like right there in front of us and there's like eye contact whole thing that is going on. Um, it's hard in some ways uh, to have eye contact with the Lord, right? Like it's hard to keep that sense of his presence, the sense of focus that he's here with us. And so the book of Psalms becomes a gift in many ways to us because it allows us uh, to have uh, a structure to be able to engage in a conversational life with God because in many ways, the Psalms are the things uh, or the words that are given to us about God, right? Like they tell us about God, they tell us about his character, his promises, who he is. Uh, and sometimes we like read those words and you're like, amen to that. And you nod an affirmation. And other times you just remember that I need to remember these things, right? Like these are the things I hope are true about God. And so we say them as in some ways um, a reminder to ourselves. But what we also know is that the, the Psalms uh, in many ways give us language. They give us words to describe our own sense of experience of what it means to be human, right? Like what it means to be a person who rejoices and praises God for who he is, um, but also thanks God for the things we have. Whatever those things would be in our relationships or our work, our stuff, whatever those things are that fill us with gratitude, um, sometimes the Psalms become the language for us to be able to send those back to the Lord. But oftentimes, too, uh, the language that we find in Psalms is language that really helps us uh, express things like grief and things like suffering. We are not great as a culture of communicating um, the hard things uh, to anything, to anyone, um, let alone to the Lord. And the Psalms become a gift to us because they give us language around expressions of hardship and expressions of suffering, of uh, challenges and pain that we may not know how to describe ourselves or honestly feel the permission to say those things. And so in some ways, our prayer life is connected in this way to this honesty, right? Like this ability to be able to communicate honestly and openly. And one of the reasons that I think we have a struggle as a prayer uh, community is not just at Trinity, but at large, why we struggle with prayer 
is because prayer is all about intimacy, and intimacy is all about honesty. Intimacy is, is really challenging if you don't know what you know, if you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to say what you want to say, or if you don't believe the words that are coming out of the mouths of the people who are speaking to you. Intimacy is a really challenge. Intimacy at its heart is just a simply uh, being an open book, right? Like transparency in some ways is this idea of this invitation to intimacy is saying, here's who I am, here is my heart, and what you receive in return, if it's love and acceptance, that's like the greatest gift ever, right? Like that is the gift of intimacy that's offered to us. Sometimes we don't always receive uh, good things in response to our intimacy or to our transparency and to our vulnerability, and that's the pain that we suffer the real relationships to come close and we don't know what to say to each other or we don't experience good things in those places. And so intimacy struggles because of that, and I think it's no different than our life with the Lord. I think in many ways our life with the Lord kind of mimics our lives with one another. And so when we think about intimacy with the Lord, we have to view it through the lens of relationship and honesty and transparency and openness. And that's where the Psalms, I think, are such a gift to us because they really invite us into having a language that we may not have ourselves, a vocabulary that we may have to, one, praise God for the good things, but also to be honest about the hard things. So the Psalms, in many ways, in this month, as we sit with them for this month, what we want to be able to do is to teach each other to learn together how to be more effusive in our praise of the Lord, but also how to be more honest about our hard things and to realize as we're giving those things to the Lord, he's given us words back to us. And hopefully that will translate into our own personal relationships too. Your own intimacy and our relationships with one another, there is a connection there, right? Like if you wonder if intimacy is hard with the Lord, I would wonder if it's hard for you in, in your real life, if you will, you know, with your relationships and your friendships. And so the hope for is that this month, as we dig into this idea of prayer and looking at it through the lens of the Psalms, that we would be able to be given kind of a guide in many ways. And today what we saw was we're going to look at is Psalm 16. And, uh, and typically what we, you know, we would do is read, if there is a Bible somewhere up here, um, it, we would read this together and, uh, you know, come up with like three clean points about something, right? Like here's what you need to learn and take away from you in Psalm 16. And all week as I've been sitting with this, I've just felt this invitation. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I felt this invitation to, to not do that necessarily, but to actually together pray to actually together use the psalm as a guide for us to develop a language of honesty with the Lord, of honesty with ourselves, more intimacy and understanding of what it is exactly we want to say thank you, God, for, and what we also want to say, Lord, I'm struggling with this thing. And so what we're going to do is do this together, um, and we'll come to that later. But before we get there, I think it is good to be able to read the psalm together, and we'll just kind of walk through the things that David, I think, is saying to us, um, which is also a good way to be able to better use the psalms right, to actually understand and to kind of summarize it. So we'll do this together. So it'll be more like maybe a class experience than a, uh, a typical Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Psalm 16. And then my Bible, at least, it says, a song of trust and security in God. It says, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Now, as for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Now, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. And I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And then I'd also my heart instructs me. 
And I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. My soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. God, we do ask this morning, Lord, as we sit with your word, David's words, Lord, as they speak to us, Lord, that they would shine a light and help us better understand who you are, Lord, what we maybe are being invited to understand more deeply this morning about you, about ourselves. Lord, this invitation to prayer. Give us an expanded version of of this invitation towards intimacy, God, where the most rewarding relationships we have are ones in which we're honest with one another, Lord, and you invite us to the same thing. So this morning, help us learn how to be more honest with ourselves, Lord, how to be more honest with you. God, we ask for the ability to, to hear from you this morning, to have hearts that would receive and ears that would hear and eyes that would see the truth that you have before us. Holy Spirit, help us. God, we ask for your grace and your mercy to grow into the invitation to be the people you call us to be, Lord. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 So I think David, David basically says four things in here. And we'll run through this like seven or eight minutes. And then we'll kind of switch into, like I said, actually praying this out loud together and be able to walk through and hear what we would the Lord have to say. So the first thing David says is that God is safe. You see that up there. God is safe. In you, I take refuge, is what David says. Refuge is a safe place, right? Like it's a place where we can go and feel like we have the comfort of knowing that we don't have to watch our backs all the time. And to know that God is safe is probably one of the most important, uh, I think, uh, narratives that we can have running through our heads you know, I don't know if David, I wasn't in his brain, right? I don't know if in this moment he's declaring this as like a statement of fact or if he's saying this as a statement of hope. Um, I think either way, what he's trying to remind himself of is the narrative in which you think of God is going to have a direct correlation to what intimacy with him looks like, right? Like if you think God is safe, you're going to be willing to move towards him with confidence. If you don't think God is safe, You may still come to him. You may run very far from him, but you still may, for whatever reasons, choose to come before the Lord, but you're going to come to him not with confidence. You're going to come to him with trepidation, with hesitation, with fear. And then David starts off this prayer, this praise, this psalm, by saying, God, you are safe. It's in you that I am safe. And I think we have to reckon with the narrative, the dominant narrative that we have flowing through our heads and our minds. Because when we go to the Lord in prayer, if you have any hopes of developing intimacy with God in your life with him, to come close to him, prayer is the avenue towards that. And if we have any hope of coming close to God in prayer, we have to reckon with the narrative that we have of God. If we believe that God is not safe, that's going to have a direct correlation on what intimacy looks like with him, right? And again, think about the relationships that you have in your lives. If you have relationships that are defined by a lack of safety, a lack of security, you understand how intimacy is tough, right? Like you've lived that out in your own experiences. You don't have to be a genius. You just have to be human. 
to know what that's like. And I think the Lord is very similar. He's inviting us to first and foremost believe in his safety, the security that we have in him. So when we go to him, we go to him with confidence. Confidence that we can be ourselves, right? Like confidence that we can be honest and we can be open, we can be transparent. And in our transparency that what we're doing is we're actually moving towards him. We're letting him know our hearts. And we get to experience in those places the most beautiful thing we ever experienced with people in our human relationships, which is when I reveal my heart to you, I make myself fully known to you, and you accept me and you love me in return, we are filled with a joy that is heavenly. And the reason is because that's what we're made for. We're made for that type of transparency that the Lord offers to us. We're meant to extend that to one another. But without the right narrative in our heads, we'll never live that out. And so we have to reckon with the posture that we have the narrative that we have that is running through our minds about the safety and the security of God. And David proclaims that God is safe. So when we move into our life of prayer with the Lord, we have to, like I said, either proclaim it as a statement of fact or say it over and over again of saying, God, I want this to be true of you. This is how I want to see you. And that's not wishful thinking. The Bible's full of that, right? These proclamations that are true, but also the things that we want to be true. And that's going to be true for us as well, this declaration that God is safe. And then David continues on and he says, God is safe, but he's also good. He says, apart from you, Lord, I have no good. And I love that. That's the things God has given us, right? Like the goodness of what we sing and what we prayed for already, which was to, to remember the good things that God has given us. Those are good things to do. We want to remind ourselves that we are surrounded by the goodness of God. We are surrounded by the things in our lives that are so good and they're so rich and they bring so much joy to us, so much peace and security and provision and comfort. All of those things we want to remember. And that means that we remember those and we attribute them to God. And we say, God, thank you for these things, for sure. But what I love about David is he also says that the goodness of God also bears fruit for the people around us. The holy ones, the noble ones, they call, and whom I delight, they bring fruitfulness to the land. And I think this is such a beautiful imagery for us because a lot of times we think about God as good and we want to proclaim that and remember that, but we also forget to like, think about the people around us and their goodness, right? Like the goodness that God flows through them and brings into my life, into your life. This morning we did baptisms for these little ones, and the beauty of doing baptisms for little ones, regardless of what you think about that theologically, is this reminder that what we're doing is we're putting this like, most innocent thing in front of us, and we're saying as a whole entire community, we're going to surround this child. We're going to surround this young baby, and we're going to commit to this baby. Not only mom and dad, but everybody in this room. When you become a baptized person, you belong to a new family. And with family comes responsibilities, right? but really opportunities to love and to extend kindness and love. And I love how David invites us into that same reality. He's reminding us not only the things we have are good, but also the people we have, God uses for good things. And in whom those people, as David says, those are the ones in whom I delight. I love the imagery of that, that sense of like receiving good things from God, but also allowing us to understand that God is at work around us and through the people around us. So it's not just the things we have, or the comforts that we get, but also the fruitfulness of the lives around us. And so David continues on. He says that God is safe, God is good, but also that God is enough. And he uses language like the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. 
the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, which is a, a very famous psalm, like that line you hear over and over again. And in many ways, that line is about limitations, it's about guardrails, right? Like understanding that what the Lord has given me is for my own protection and my own good. But I think in this context, it's actually more than that. I think it's an invitation towards learning how to be content, like learning how to be content with the things that God has given us, learning how to be content with the things that I don't have. Those are really good things. The boundary lines that God has given us are not just limitations. They're also opportunities to learn that what he has given us is enough. That what we have is enough. And my guess is that that may stand in contrast to our cultural reality more maybe than any other part of this psalm, right? Like we live in a culture that actually says the exact opposite. It says that there's never enough. You can never have enough. We live in a, a con- and this is not some sort of knock on materialism or excess, right? Like I'm not planning to become a monk anytime soon. Okay? That is not where I'm going with this thought. Where that is fine, we're not going to like, I think between you and the Lord is your sense of what the boundary is around, you know, this much thing or that much thing or that much thing. I think we wrestle with those things with the Lord. I don't think there's a definitive line around there. So I'm not talking about materialism in that way. I'm talking about anxiety, I think. More than anything else, this deep, pervasive anxiety that we have as people that says that I don't have enough. And because I don't have enough, I must not be enough. I sit with people all the time. This is my job, right? I do it here at the church on Sundays, during the week, coffee shops, restaurants, wherever, Zoom. Y'all, the thing that threads all of these relationships together and the challenges that people face is this deep sense that they are not enough. And this deep belief and this anxiety and this energy that like propels them towards this like frenetic pace to get more because they believe right now in our culture is you get more, you are more. This belief that in order to find peace and security and rest, you just have to get one more of whatever that thing is. And that one more thing is different for everybody, right? It could be money, it could be stuff, it could be things, it could be attention and fame, it could be power. And what David says in this space is that God is enough. The boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. And this is why people have been practicing Sabbath for I don't know how long, right? Like it's one of the, the things that God did himself. Since the beginning of creation, we've been invited to Sabbath, to rest, to be able to say it is enough and I am enough. And we're invited into this rest. We're invited to move away from anxiety and this away from this pervasive sense of frenetic nature that we are driven by, not necessarily, I think, totally pure motives. It's not a call away from excellence. It's not a call away from effort, but it's a deep sense of being called towards a place of rest, effort through peace and security that I am enough because God says so, because God himself is enough. And the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. What an invitation that is as we go into a life of prayer, to learn that we are enough. And they are words of gratitude for sure, to be able to say that God is enough, but y'all, they are words of faith. It is a word of faith to be able to say God is enough, because what that means is that I'm invited to take my hand off the plow, to take my hand off the plow and to rest. And so prayer is an invitation to that, right? It moves our life of prayer away from just like a simple to-do list, to be quite honest with you, Right? And there's a time and a place to be able to ask God for things in that same way. Right? For the last month, we've invited you to pray for Drew Henley's daughter, Emma, who woke up with a brain infection for the most part, found themselves in ICU. They found herself being intubated for about six weeks, wondering if the child was going to live. We said, let's pray, and we should pray for those things. That should be on our list. 
right? Like we should have a box every day that says, pray for Emma Henley. So those are good things. I want to continue to say, let's pray for those things. But I think what I'm also saying is the sense of prayer being a time and a space for us to say enough is enough, and I'm just going to come and pray from a place of rest. And that's the invitation, I think, that David is trying to help us see more clearly when he says that God is enough. We can rest. And the reason we rest is where he lands this plane is he said we can rest because God is with us. And he uses all sorts of language here to describe that. A blessed Lord who gives me counsel, he's at my right hand. And what that imagery means biblically is that God, I, I have a privileged space with the Lord. I have access to God. He's at my right hand means he's near, he is with me. He is not far, he's not indifferent. David goes on to say, I shall not be moved because he's at my right hand, right? Like I will not be shaken. There is nothing that can happen to me that is going to uproot me from the security and the peace I have knowing that the God of all gods is right here with me at my right hand. And because of that, my body can rest secure. And I would guess if I took a poll this morning or I did that embarrassing thing is to stand up if you're this way, most of us would stand up if we were this way. We would stand up if we were asked, do we feel like we're at rest? Do I feel like my body feels secure? Do I have anxiety running through my head? Do I have my heart pounding all the time? Do I always feel like one other shoe is going to drop? I would imagine that most of us struggle with this reality that we are at rest and our bodies are secure. And what David is saying here, we can rest because we are in the presence of God. And that is where prayer takes us. Ultimately, prayer is an invitation to do and live out exactly the things that we are called to do and live out, which is to be in the presence of God. That is what we are made for. We were made to live our lives with the Lord. And prayer takes us in that direction. Prayer puts us before the Lord and with the Lord. And that is the gift that God gives us through prayer. And so when we think about prayer and we think about it being a conversational life or we think about it being a list of presentation to God about our needs and our wants and our hopes, our desires... What I hope for this morning and this month as we dig into and live into this invitation to deeper prayers, to use the Psalms as a way of better understanding and experiencing what it means to actually have intimacy with the Lord, to experience Him as a safe God, to experience Him as a good God, to experience Him as a, a God who is uh, enough for us and a God who's with us. But the reality is we struggle with that, right? We struggle with the consistency of that, I think part because of a lack of vision, but honestly just a part because we just don't practice it enough together. So what I'm hoping for this morning for about 10 or so minutes is what we're going to do instead of just continuing to hear what I have to think about something, um, let's actually pray together. And just want to acknowledge this. I, I, I've been at Trinity since 2006. I, I, we've never done something like this on a Sunday. Um, and so if you're like me, you're thinking, how, what's this going to be like? Um, you know, it, I think it's going to be a little strange at first, uh, but I'll say this, it's okay, right? Like we can do weird things, uh, new things, and learn new muscles. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this is not a performance. Um, I have no idea what the Lord wants to say to you. I have absolutely no idea what he has for you this morning. But what I do know is this, is when we create space and stillness and put ourselves before him, and we remind ourselves who God is, and we put before the Lord the things that are true and honest about ourselves. God says something in that space to us. And so my hope is, is that we engage this together, that we will hear from the Lord. But I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be colossal, right? Like the ceilings do not need to part in order for us to be met by the Lord. We just need to practice being in the presence 
of God and trust that over time, honestly, good things will happen. He will meet us in that space. So I know this will be a little different. It's not a performance. There's no master of prayer. We're all beginners in large part. But hopefully when you walked in, you were given a journal. Um, This is not like, I mean, again, I'm probably working hard to like set really low expectations in some ways um, so that like everything is awesome after that. But I will say this, uh, your journal is for you. Um, This is not like uh, you're not going to share this with anybody. You don't have to share this with anybody. But I know for me, if I don't write stuff down, I forget it. Um, And so what I'd love to invite you to do is you're praying with the psalm together um, that is, if you have the sense that the Lord is saying something to you, is write these things down. If you have a sense that the Lord is giving you particular words, write those words down um, and hold on to those and put them in, in stone in some ways. Um, and what you'll start to see if you do that over and over and again is that the Lord is actually going to come up with a thread for you. He'll make things obvious for you. So we're going to do this together. So what we'll do is I'm going to just, we're going to leave this slide up here about God is safe, he's good, he's enough, and he's with us. And I'm going to guide us through a time of prayer in many ways, we'll just create some space for reflection and for you to hear from the Lord. Um, sometimes I'll be directed, and I'll ask you to think something specifically or answer a specific thing in your head or on a piece of paper. Um, and then we'll pray together, and then we will finish our time together like we do every single week, and that's coming to the table to receive uh, the bread of life who nourishes and strengthens us. So let's first quiet our hearts. You can find a good, comfortable spot at your seat. Like I said, you can get the journal out and the pen. If you have your Bibles and you want to read along with Psalm 16, you can do that. But first, let's quiet our hearts and our minds. Father, we ask that you would help us take the thoughts and the feelings, the things that we bring to the table this morning that are bouncing around, all the monkeys that are dancing right now, Lord, that you would help them be still. Unless those distractions are the very things, Lord, that you wish to speak to us today, we ask that those distractions would receive the grace to be able to be set aside for the moment. God, we thank you for the gift of the Psalms, Lord, the Psalm 16, which tells us first and foremost that we are safe with you. And so what we do, God, is we ask that we would take a moment and ask for your help to imagine spaces of refuge, God, spaces with which we feel safe and secure. Lord, this could be our home, a favorite place that we go to, or certain people that make us feel safe. Lord, what we ask is to take a moment to imagine that space and accept the invitation to rest quietly in that space today. Father, we imagine you with us in that space. Help us see your face as you really are, God. Kind, gracious, and compassionate. Father, we're sitting in that space right now and we're imagining your face and the way it really looks at us, Lord, the way the Bible promises the way it looks at us, Lord. And we ask that you would also help us see your face as you see us.
Lord, we take a moment, whether it's in our own heads or we write these things down, Lord, to describe what we see. What do we see when we imagine your face, Lord? What's it like? Is it kind and approving? Is it disappointed and frustrated? Father, remind us that you're safe and you are our refuge. Today, if we believe that, we thank you for that belief, Lord. If we need to believe it and just want to believe it, we ask that you'd help us. Father, as David says, you are are good, that we have no good apart from you. this morning, Lord, we ask that you'd help us see the good things you've given us. And so we take a moment, Lord, to to name those good things, Lord, whether that's in our head or we write them down, Lord, we want to take time to thank you for these good things. Help us give those good things names, Lord, and we say those out loud or to ourselves or we write them down, Father. Father, we do thank you for these good things. We do not have good apart from you, God. I ask that you would help us see what these good things tell us about you. They tell us about your character. We take a moment to name what we know is true about you. Father, we thank you that you are safe, Lord. We thank you that you are good. And as David says and proclaims, Lord, we thank you that you are enough, that our boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Lord, we proclaim to you the desire to be content in you, to be content with what you've given us, Lord. We confess to you that, Lord, we haven't always lived out that belief and desire, Lord. Instead of trusting you, God, we so often eat the bread of anxious toil. Lord, this morning we ask that you would help us clearly see the more we think we need. Whether that's more money, more influence, more power, more attention, more stuff whatever it is that we think would bring us the peace and satisfaction we seek, God. We ask that the Holy Spirit would help us 
bring these things to mind. So we take a moment, Lord, to give those a name. Father, help us learn that we will not be at rest until we rest in you, and that our only rest is in the truth of your presence, Lord. As David says, that you're with us, that you are at our right hand, you are our counsel, that you don't give us up to Sheol or the pit, Lord, but that in your presence is the fullness of life. Father, this morning we take a moment, we sit with that reality, God, and remember that not only what you're like, Lord, that you're good and that you're safe and that you're enough, you're sufficient, Lord, but that you are also with us. Lord, help our imaginations grow in understanding the reality of that truth, that you're right here, right now with us. David says that our bodies can rest secure because of your presence, but Lord, what we know is that we don't always feel so secure. Instead of peace and security, Lord, we so often feel anxiety and apprehension. So this morning, Lord, we offer you these anxieties and these apprehensions, Lord, and want to give them a name, Lord, whether that's relationships or work uncertainty around those things, or finances and the challenges and struggles that we face, Lord, questions that need answers and we don't know what they look like, problems that need solving, Lord, we have no idea of how to move forward. Whatever they are, God, we ask this morning that you would help give them a name, give us the confidence to name them, Lord. word says that you are our counsel, that you're at our right hand, which means, Lord, as we speak these anxieties and these apprehensions to you, Lord, these questions and these uncertainties that we face and we're wondering what to do with them, Lord, your word says that your, your wisdom is on offer to us. You want to say something to us this morning. 
in light of our concerns. So, Lord, we take a moment to listen to your counsel. those of us who don't feel the confidence that we can hear from the Lord, and we're not even sure what his voice would sound like, I encourage you to, to make that space to ask, what do you hear him saying, and to write these things down, whether they seem crazy to you, or they feel out of left field. Write down what you're hearing him say to you, to the counsel he's given you. Father, we thank you for the invitation to come close to you. This invitation to engage in a life of prayer as a pathway to intimacy with you, God. Thank you for David's words that remind us that you are safe, God, that in you we can rest because you're enough. Lord, we can be content with what you've given us. Lord, we can even name the good things that we have. We thank you for the gift of those good things. Lord, we thank you that you invite us into your presence, and that's what you long for. Because of that, Lord, we can rest secure, knowing that we have a goodly inheritance, as your word says, that you're with us, you have not left us to die, but you give us the promise of resurrection and the fullness of joy in your presence, God. We ask that you would help us Remember these things and celebrate these things. Lord, as the disciples said to you, teach us to pray. Help us this month to use the gift of your word. thank you that you do feed us and you nourish us, Lord, and how each week we're able to come to this table to be fed, Lord. But what we also acknowledge is the wisdom of our fathers, our ancient fathers and mothers, Lord, who have taught us that it's wise to, to pause and to ask, in what ways are we hungry, Lord? In what ways are we broken? In what ways are we in need? What ways have I contributed to my own demise in that sense, Lord? And so before we come to the table, let's take a moment and quiet our hearts and continue to ask for the Lord to help us to see where we've walked away from him, moved away from him, Lord. Let's quiet our hearts before we come to the table. God, we do confess to you that we've sinned against you in our thoughts, 
our words and our deeds, by the things we've done and by what we've left undone. Father, we haven't loved you with our whole heart. And because of that, we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, Lord. And for these things, we are truly sorry. And we humbly repent, Lord. We turn in a different direction for your sake, for your glory, Lord. Teach us to delight in your will and to walk in your ways, God. We ask all of this for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. God's word tells us that he's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess to the Lord. And so I speak forgiveness over you. And because of that, you can be at peace with God, knowing that he's at peace with you. And you can be at peace with other people because of that same peace. And so that's why each week we say, may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Take a moment, exchange that peace to the people around you. Communion service, come forward when you're ready.